Okay, I'm finally done. So it took me like 20 hours to try to set this up when I could have just used the background of my house because I think this is more distracting rather than less. So I'm just gonna tell you that I tried to use a steamer for the first time to get these little creases out and uh, it didn't work. I also ironed it and that didn't work. So I was sitting here and I was about to record. I realized that I don't have a podcast intro song. Let me sing you the song that I wrote in about maybe 30 seconds. Okay, and we can always change this. It doesn't have to be this. Stuck in a rut, read a book, like to read, take a look, and I'll read the book for you. Welcome to Jordy's Book Report, the podcast. Let me just make sure that's still recording. Okay, great. I didn't really like that. It's a little vanilla. Maybe we can add some spice next time. But we'll just go with that for now. So I'm using this wizard's chest as a, a means to elevate my microphone because you're going to see me doing this uh, bending over motion a lot. And that is because I need to hold my face an inch away in order for the sound to be good. Otherwise, it's not. And the funny thing is, I might not end up using this sound because it might not be able to sync up together. Then I'll be doing this for no reason. But let's get into the context of the podcast. So this is my first podcast, and I wanted to make it 10 times harder on myself by making a video podcast as well, because I feel the video version of this will be the more interesting thing to watch. I have no reason to really say that other than the fact that I know that I make a lot of facial expressions and uh, probably will do a lot of interesting gestures. So if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, Consider watching it on YouTube instead for more entertainment. First note, say uh and um less. Don't say it at all if you can help it. Okay, noted. So I'm going to go over my notes on the book that we are reading today. Now, I understand that these self-help books can be boring, repetitive. They can contain concepts and ideas that might seem kind of like common sense to you or you might feel that reading motivational quotes obscure motivational quotes on instagram is enough for you to reframe your entire mindset in order to live your best life now i would argue that the books have actually helped me to learn the lessons that i wasn't taught necessarily in childhood not to say that i didn't have good influences around me i did but i just had too many influences around me it was a lot to take in i feel the focus was mostly surviving and graduating high school basically and not so much being a thriving individual and that's nobody's fault really that's just my takeaway of that and i did survive and i learned in surviving that i actually wanted to live a thriving life and i don't in any way feel that my own particular upbringing was more hard or more traumatic than anyone else's but i do know that certain experiences and traumas do affect the way that we live our life our happiness our anxiety levels our mental health and so on and so forth our feelings of fulfillment basically they create their own individual special kind of void you know what i'm saying so i just wanted to learn how to be happy as simple as that sounds 
And I do in particular remember thinking as a, a toddler, yes, I was a vocal toddler. I, I have I have a witness to that. But as a child, as a youth, just thinking that happiness was a destination that I'd reach one day in adulthood once I had established myself and I had some type of stability. Little did I know that I could literally live and have my own basically dream life, dream job, and so on and so forth, and still not be happy if I didn't have the right mindset. And that's why this book kind of correlates with that. Now, I've read many books on the topic of just, I guess, self-help. So this is not the only book, not not by even a little bit, it's not the only book that I would recommend reading if you want to improve your perception of the world and change your perspective on things to better suit you and your dreams in your life man i'm thirsty Woo! but this is a good reference and it's a good book to start off with if you are not really into self-help books so that's why i decided to go over this one even though i've read it before there are parts of this book where the author mark goes over certain individuals lives and occurrences in their lives like charles bukowski buddha the guitar player from Megadeth, just certain random stories. And I'm not going to read into those or talk about those too much because then we'd be here all day. But if you do want to read the book, I definitely recommend checking it out so you get your own take on it. This is just my take and certain notes I wrote about this book. So I hope that this helps you and let's get into it. And well, I was going to say something else, but I changed my mind. So in chapter one, He does talk about Bukowski first, Charles Bukowski. He's somebody you can definitely Google if you want to know more about that guy. But some people know about him. He's pretty well known. And uh, what he says in this chapter a lot is basically he talks about the need for people to perceive you a certain way in order for you to feel happy with yourself. And what I mean by that is when he says things like the smallest dog barks the loudest and that confident people don't have to prove that they're confident they just are and that rich people don't have to prove that they're rich they just are basically when we're saying and trying to convince people to see us in a certain way we're wasting our breath and we're causing ourselves pretty much a guarantee that we're going to be unhappy because if it's one thing that we can't control it's how people perceive us so for some reason my uh microphone stopped recording and i have no idea why so I'm just going to keep recording, even though I probably won't use this audio now at this point. You know what? Let's just get rid of that. And that. Because that just probably didn't record a lot of what I just said. So, uh, that, anyways, back to what I was saying about what he says in this chapter. This is what I mean by first podcast is going to be some, some hiccups. I might have to get a different recording system for recording the audio version so that it's a little better, but bear with me right now with the audio quality that we have now that is coming from my camera. So the the other thing that, that basically he's saying or the point that he's trying to make is that if you care so much about how people perceive you rather than what is, what your reality is and what your life is, you're not going to really be happy because... That's one of the things that's not in our control is what people think. 
and the lens that they view us through. Even what I'm expressing to you now is through my own filter and my own perspective. So this all might not even be what stands out to you or what resonates with you in the book. That's, that's a perfect example of everything I say here is basically my own interpretation and opinion. And I'm admitting that. It's not fact. So another thing too about being a small dart dog barking the loudest or trying to prove that you're rich or something is that a lot of times people trying to prove that there's something are really just trying to prove it to themselves because if you are confident, you just are confident. You don't need to tell everybody you're confident or that you're rich or whatever. You just are. You just exist. And it shows through you just being that sincerely. You don't even need to convince people. That's the cool thing about just being genuine and sincere and living your truth and not worrying about what other people think or convincing people of one thing or another. So giving too much of a flip about that stuff will hold you back from growing and feeling happy. Also know that giving a flip, and I'm gonna say flip instead of F-U-C, because I don't wanna be demonetized and I'm gonna make a whole 20 cents on this video, so I don't wanna lose out on that, you know what I mean? Yes, an entire total 20 cents, not 20 cents per view. Uh, and I want it to be family friendly, so I'm gonna say flip instead of F. F is for friends who do stuff together. If you're not my age, then you won't know that reference because you didn't watch SpongeBob. Uh, so when you when you care too much about things that don't matter, it's really good for business, like having a newer car all the time or a bigger TV or going on a really, really nice fancy vacation, it teaches you exactly how to not be happy with what you have where you are in that moment. No matter how much that stuff works for you and is getting you by and helping you to live a better quality life than someone without those things. So, for example, I had a Nissan Cube for 10 years. It was a Nissan Cube. It had almost 300,000 on the line. It was very, you know, kind of whacked, scratched up, and not the greatest car anymore because I really ran it down. But it got me where I needed to go. Didn't really cost much to maintain, and it was good on gas. The only reason why I stopped driving that car was because it smashed like a pancake in a car accident. And I was perfectly happy with that car. I did not want to break my back, you know, getting into a new car payment, which I now have, which is awesome. And, you know, I'm thankful for the fact that I was able to you know, run my credit for a new car, but the point is that I didn't need the new car. I didn't need the new car until I needed the new car, if you know what I mean. And if you're always focused on what you don't have or that the fact that there's better things, versions of what you have out there, you will never be happy with what you have, and that's common sense, I know. But it's really good for business to give a flip about stuff like that because now for those people selling those things, they're making more money off of you caring about how you look and about stuff that doesn't really matter. Unless you're somebody who has a passion for cars or something, or that's something that's ingrained in you that's really, really important to achieve, fine, no one can take that away from you. But if you're just doing it just so that you kind of impress people that don't really matter, or you want to try to come off as something to other people and it's based on what people think of you, then maybe don't do it. Some people genuinely do get joy from having a certain specific type of car though, and I get that. So it's just a matter of sorting out your priorities and learning to appreciate the stuff that you have. I think when I read that, that's what I think. So the key to having a happy life is not giving a flip more. It's giving a flip about less rather than about more. So when you 
care about every little thing that's out of your control, you will literally always be stressed and anxious and not happy in this moment. There are so many things out of my control right now that I could allow to make me so unhappy and so sad, but if it's out of my hands, it's out of my mind. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, way back in the day before social media, if you felt like crap about your life, your day, and this is covered in the chapter, you could just shrug it off and be like, oh, well, everyone has crappy days, I guess, or everyone's life is kind of crappy like this. That's just life. It's just a part of life. Now, when you go on social media and you see everybody showing their highlights, like you hear all the time, the, the things that are like their flattering photos or their fun family get-togethers or their fun trips or even their nice things, and it makes you feel like, do they have crappy days or is it just me? I don't really believe that it's helpful to always be using social media as a way to complain per se, but it is normal to share regular life experiences there, I think, good and bad. And it's okay if people don't want to share bad things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if it's not helpful, really nobody wants to go on there to be bummed out, I don't think. But that's just my opinion. So that's why I don't really like to share things that I don't find will be helpful for people, but I am pretty transparent about my own stuff for the most part. And it, you have to take into account that you don't really know who's watching or listening. So you, if, if somebody doesn't want to share all the bad stuff or all the vulnerable stuff, that's pretty normal. Uh, but know that none of that stuff matters because that has nothing to do with you. And those people might just feel good about sharing those things, but they're people just like you and every person rich or poor healthy or not healthy so on and so forth has struggles because that's part of life is just struggling through things overcoming things feeling sad or feeling anxious or feeling stressed or feeling overwhelmed or when we feel happy it's all normal it's all part of life so no need to compare no need to use that uh social media for that, but I don't think that social media is all bad because social media actually helped me change the entire trajectory of my life. Social media helped me to live my dream for the last two years, and even though we were in a pandemic, had, you know, past me, seeing future me, she would be stoked, and I did not know how to get to this point before I met my own mentors and coaches on social media who helped me just kind of evolve more and see what was possible. And when you can see what's possible, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing to see what's possible in health, in the world, in business, in travel, in growth, in just any life experience. When you can see what's possible, that's a good thing. Because if I didn't see what was possible out there, I'd live in my own little box in my own little routine and I'd never get uncomfortable and I'd probably never have grown. So I think social media can be a good thing. But if you use it to compare, it's never a good thing. Feel like crap when you feel like crap. Just don't care as much about it, if that makes sense. Don't let it get you down so much. It sounds easy to say, but I think we feel like we have to feel good all the time and we don't have to feel good all the time. So this goes into the next thing that was said in the book. Uh, Alan Watts explains the backwards law and he says wanting a positive experience is actually a negative experience and accepting a negative experience is a positive experience and the reason for that is because when you accept what it is you're able to move on from it when you can't accept and you're longing for something that isn't you will never ever be able to be happy and you won't be able to get past it and it's really going to hinder you from feeling positive feelings so that makes sense 
And the more you pursue feeling better all the time, the less satisfied you become because it's reinforcing the fact that you lack it in the first place. That's why there's such a thing as toxic positivity where you just try to force yourself to feel positive feelings all the time 24-7 and never let yourself feel the negative stuff that you feel because the negative stuff that you feel can fuel a lot of passion and can fuel a lot of of good, positive, creative things. And you're not muting out everything that you feel because your emotions are there for a reason, I think. For example, I don't ever want to play my, I can play my guitar forever because I'm so happy that I never want to play it. I only want to play it when I'm miserable. And it's been months since I played it. And that's actually kind of sad. So the misery brings that feeling of wanting to just express myself through music and write music. And I might not be the best musician in the world, but I think that's a pretty cool thing and a really cool way to channel my own personal pain and stuff and you probably have your own things that you are inspired by by feeling bad feelings bad feelings quote unquote so another thing that is said in the book is that the more you want to be rich the poorer you're going to feel and that's true i'm sure even a millionaire feels that way when they compare themselves to a billionaire and so on and so forth if you have enough money to live a, a life where you can comfortably pay your bills eat foods that are good have time to vacation or have life experience it's more important that you care about the experiences that you're having and the memories that you're making in the moment rather than the pursuit of what you don't feel you have enough of or what you don't have if that makes sense the the more you want to be hot the uglier you come to see yourself and that's true and the more desperately you want to be loved the lonelier and more unworthy you'll feel and that's also true for me it's it's so true because i put on 15 pounds during the pandemic and i stopped being able to see my ab lines whoa but i'm a fitness coach so this is something that i'm under a microscope for or at least i feel like i am and so because i compare myself to even older better me so I say, I feel inadequate and I feel sad about it. But really, I think I actually look really nice because my face is filled out and my glutes are filled out and that's cool, you know? So I just have to keep that in mind. I can always use the tools I have to get to that point if that's where I wanna be. And I think it goes for everybody else in whatever aspect of their life they feel this way or similarly. Man, that was really, ambiguous uh so another thing is people who are like really sad being single or alone are usually feeling that way because they're very desperate for finding a relationship or love or achieving something they feel like they need to achieve like having a family or getting married and those are not things that are necessarily on a timeline or a requirement for people and that's something that i've learned where i finally genuinely feel that if I never were to have a family, and I really feel this way, and I know that might be alarming, but if I were to just have my life with my dog doing what I like to do, and I know my dog's gonna die one day, but cover your ears, Nala. But I am full, like I'm happy, and I, that's what's allowed me to feel happy. I don't feel like I need to have kids yesterday. I don't feel like I need to find a husband. Uh, if that stuff happens, great, but it's not, a requirement and a lot of women in their late 20s and early 30s and mid 30s might feel inadequate because they think that that's a requirement for them and they feel really lonely but that solitude is a gift and it's a good thing and 
I think it's it's something that should be appreciated. So I see find the good in that. And the more you want to be spiritually enlightened, the more shallow and self-centered you become to get there. And I believe that because when you believe that it's your way or the highway and that you know the truth and everyone else is ignorant or whatever, then you're kind of you're not becoming an esteemable human being, you know what I'm saying? So I've seen that happen and I can see that happening. And the, the obvious reminder that is repeated in this book is that you're going to die one day. Everyone you know is going to die one day. And you only have a short amount of time in the grand scheme of things to enjoy your time here. So giving less of a flip about what doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things is a good thing and something that should be learned. And if it's not too late for you to learn that now, if you've lived your whole life caring too much about stuff that doesn't really matter or that isn't in your control. Uh, but we are designed to create problems when there are none. So if our life doesn't have enough drama or excitement or problems or conflict, we might feel like we need to create some in order to feel alive. That's another issue that Maybe you might need to read a few other books about that, but that's something that's really common. So if you feel that way or you do that, it's pretty, it's pretty common. That's why I think busy people are happier. So if you're not busy, find some hobby or something to get yourself busy because I guarantee you, you'll have less time to think of and create scenarios in your head. Um, and, and he does say that not giving a flip is not being indifferent. It's being comfortable with being different because you don't want to feel nothing at all that's not the point that would make you you know you'd be aspiring to be a psychopath according to the author but it's just about not giving a flip about the things that don't matter and we are just born to care so much about everything and we have to sort of water that down through as we grow up and mature and i know that even at a young age like every little thing hurt my feelings so much and even as a teenager every little statement every little bad day or every little boy that I was liking or whatever, they didn't talk to me different or something. Oh, like we've all been there. But now it's like, honestly, it's not that I don't feel anything, but it's like, I'm chilling most of the time and it takes a lot for somebody to have any type of effect over my emotions. Uh, so I think that I'm doing a good job if I do say so myself, but who am I to say? That was something that I definitely struggled with in my adolescence was my emotions and feeling too much. But according to this book, that's normal. So, you know, I, I will say that I have been able to be happier because of that, because of overcoming that. So I think that's a good thing. That was just chapter one. I'm telling you guys, if you want to read this whole book, please read this whole book. I will include my notes in the show notes and in the description below, but just side note. Um, but in chapter two, he goes into a story about Buddha and, um, you can read that if you want to look at the book, but, and if you're, don't have, if you don't have money for a book, you guys can go into Barnes and Noble and I know this might be frowned upon, but when I was like young and really broke and I wanted to start reading these types of books, I would literally go to the self-help section and pick up a book and stand there and read it for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. So it's possible if there's a will, there's a way. You can also get it on Audible or you can buy it or whatever. So anyways, um, some researchers have, have found in this chapter, they say, uh, that physical pain and psychological pain are registered very similarly in our brain. 
and hurt almost equally in some cases. So think about that. That's how important your perspective is. You might be inflicting pain upon yourself just because of the way that you see things. And if you can change the way that you see things, how awesome is that? That is like a superpower and you can do that through reading various books, not just this one. But, see? And this is, this is all stuff that I wasn't naturally taught or it wasn't ingrained into me and that's just because I didn't have a very stable upbringing and I'll just say that because I don't want to upset anybody but or throw anybody under the bus. But I didn't have a very stable upbringing and my, my intention in saying that is not to be malicious or spiteful or even a victim. It's just what it is. I had a variety of opinions and upbringings combined. So when you go from like home to home, household to household, school to school, you learn a lot of different things from a lot of different people and a lot of those things don't align with each other. So it's confusing. So I feel that I kind of had to re-raise re myself. That doesn't make sense, but and I did that through over the last seven, eight years reading these types of books. And it's helped me a lot, you know, in ways that actually show. And in ways that show, meaning I was able to change my life and support myself and do all these things I didn't think were possible. Doing the things that I love and never compromising my own mor morals or, you know, standards or whatever. So... I'm totally proud of the way that I was able to do it. And I'm proud of that because I did it doing something I believe in and that's always been so important to me. So I'm really, really stoked that that so far this is where I'm at and I have the belief that I can literally do anything because of this. So even if everything goes downhill and it kind of has in the pandemic, I have full confidence in the belief in myself that I'm able to recultivate something new and that was something that I taught myself to believe about myself in reading these books over the last seven eight years so that's why I think reading is so powerful because you could physically change your whole life just through the way that you think and the way that you view your life and your, the world um, happiness comes from solving problems and this is true I always thought happiness was a destination I thought happiness would come when I felt stable and secure and I had a family and all this stuff, but it actually doesn't come from that. So when you get there and you aren't happy yet, it's because you really put your happiness on the wrong thing. Happiness really does come from solving problems and um, from not stressing. I think or a big part of being happy is not stressing about things that aren't in your control, but problems are a good thing. Little problems, big problems, whatever, they're a good thing. Because when we can overcome these problems, when we can conquer things, when we can achieve things, when we can accomplish goals, we feel good, period. Point blank, period. So solving problems is good. They never stop. They just change. Your problems will never stop. Everyone has problems too. The richest person, the poorest person, the most healthy person, the most... Un everybody has problems. In no way do I think my own life was more traumatic or harder or worse off worse than anybody else's I, I don't think that in any way we all have our own traumas and experiences that are hard and hardships and disappointments and struggles in life so i truly believe that problems don't ever stop and you kind of just have to choose your struggle those are some really important points and i know i'm kind of all over the place but this is my first time doing this so 
Give me a break, okay? All right, cool. Give me a break. Give me a break. Does anyone remember that? I wanna take a break for that. Kit Kat Bop. Whatever happened to that? That was pretty good. I don't even like Kit Kats, but I know the little thing, you know? And the thing is, that he says, is you can't win if you don't play. The joy is in the climb. So if there's something you're scared to do, you'll never win if you don't even try. And if you suck at it, so what? Just keep trying. Everybody who succeeds at something sucked at it enough to get there, if that makes sense. Okay, chapter three. He says, it's basically about you're not special. You're not promised, you know, success or a great life or handouts or happiness or whatever. Nobody is. And sometimes we're born thinking we have like some special talent and we're going to be famous or something or we're going to be rich. Someone's going to rescue us or whatever. Nah, it's, it's, that's an entitled mindset. studio because my dog is barking and she's interrupting my flow but uh, yeah people achieve great things and get great at things because they understand that they're not great so they do what they need to do to become great it's not just like on their laps given to them you know what I'm saying and if you can accept that you're mediocre at something then you will basically do better at trying to become not mediocre at that thing rather than thinking that you're supposed to naturally have some sort of talent or something you're supposed to naturally be good at the thing that you want to do and if you're not then it's not for you that's really not the right mindset to have uh, in order to become great at something you really have to accept the fact that you're mediocre at it until you're not until you earn the right to not be and um yeah so just don't feel entitled to you know, being rescued or having talents or gifts or whatever. If you do have something cool, run with it, but work at it. And, you know, then you'll be, you'll have a better chance of, of achieving something really great. And I think that that's cool. And that's pretty much like the only summary that I wanted to, you know, share here in chapter three. However, there's a lot more in that chapter that I didn't touch on. Chapter four is about suffering and how it's valuable and that he talks about something called the self-awareness onion where we in layer one uh basically it's awareness of our emotional blind spots so being aware of the, the things that you know we lack in emotional intelligence i think maybe i'm wrong but, but he does expand upon that if you want more info on that there's a second layer and that is the ability to ask why we feel certain emotions. And believe it or not, there are actually people who are not very introspective and don't do this. And uh, I believe that the first step in maybe growing from certain things that are less desirable attributes or harmful personality traits is acknowledging them. So that's, I think, an important part of asking yourselves why we feel certain emotions. Layer three is our personal values. Why do I consider this to be a success or failure? At what standard am I judging myself? So in this chapter, I believe he talks about the guitar player of Megadeth and he says that he was never happy because he got kicked out of Metallica basically and because even though, like, even though he was world famous and successful, he was never happy because he was measuring his own success to the success of Metallica, which is obviously, you might not know Megadeth, but I'm sure you know Metallica. Even I know a Metallica song. I should play it. <laughs>
your mission. Person's opinion can change, and if you're 
if you're basing how you feel about yourself on how other people feel about you, you're going to have a very unstable emotional state. Man, I don't know if that made sense. I'm kind of processing that statement right now as I say it aloud. But if you don't worry about that and that's not part of your metric of success, then you're better off. You're, you're you know, in the clear because the truth is you really can't control how people see you or what they interpret uh, about you. All you can do is kind of just be you and live your truth and just let that be good enough. So some more good values are humility, standing up for others, innovation, self-respect, curiosity, creativity. Some more bad values are violence, feeling good all the time, not being alone, not you know wanting to be liked by everybody, being rich for the sake of being rich, dominance through manipulation or violence, and always being the center of attention, needing those things in order to feel worthy or good are actually really bad values to have. So that makes a lot of sense. Chapter five, it's about the fact that we're always choosing our, basically, our state of being. Well, like we're always choosing. Everything we do is because it's the result of a choice that we've made. Everything that we have, everything that we are. So I think that that's kind of what that means. But it's always our own responsibility to make ourselves happy. And when the actions of others hurt us or make us feel sad, it's our responsibility not to allow that to control how we feel overall. And I think that's really important because there are going to be people in your life that are going to have a very negative impact and you want to move on from that as quickly as possible because it's not really constructive to sit in that place emotionally. Sometimes that leads people to drugs and alcohol abuse just so that they don't have to feel those bad emotions when um, the reason they feel them in the first place is because they're allowing an outside source to have control of their emotions. So I know it's easier said than, said than done, but the people that we do uh, associate with and have relationships with uh, often reflect our own values. So yes, when we're growing up, we don't have control over our family or who we're forced to be around, but when we get to a point where we can support ourselves, we're able to control more of who we allow to have a close personal relationship with us. And if we're allowing someone who's super abusive or super toxic, it's not to say that it's your fault or that you deserve it, but you are allowing it because you probably feel that you deserve it in some way or another, if that makes sense. So if we take responsibility for our role in unhealthy relationships, uh, we can possibly pivot and change that in our lives. So. This quote I wrote on my Instagram, uh, Instagram caption a few weeks ago, and I thought that it was a really good point, where he says that life is like the game of poker, and it wasn't in these exact words, but basically what he had said was that winning is not solely dependent on the cards you were dealt, but the moves that you make in the game. So although it not, might not be in your control cards you were dealt in life, you are in control of what you do with them. And that's very, very true. I know people who came from nothing who are doing amazing, great, huge things. And then I know people who had a pretty decent upbringing who are doing pretty decently. And then I know people who had a decent upbringing that are doing horribly. And it's because of the choices and decisions they made in order to get the outcome that they currently have. That's not to say you're stuck there, but that's just the truth. Whatever situation you have that is undesirable at this very moment is most likely 
because of the choices that you made and what you've allowed. So if we can take responsibility for that and not blame shift, we can take control of what we do about it. So another thing that was said was that we do learn from our problems more than we do from our successes. And I think that that's true because when we make mistakes and we have problems, we have to spend more time figuring out how to fix it. Whereas when something just goes right, we move on from it right away. So, uh, one, one statement in this book that I liked was, and I'm saying that a lot because I don't want, I'm prefacing the statements I make with, it's from the book, which is pretty obvious I now realize, just so that I'm not plagiarizing necessarily. Uh, but I probably won't do that moving forward, just know that most of what I'm saying is coming from this book. I didn't just come up with it, but one quote that I liked was, do or do not. There is no how. So instead of sitting around trying to figure out how to do something, just decide to do it and then you'll figure it out as you're doing it. That's what I took from that. So chapter six, you're wrong about everything, but so am I. Certainty is the enemy of growth. Nothing is for certain until it has already happened. And the man who believes he knows everything learns nothing. How many times have you heard that one? And being able to admit that what we're doing is not working, admitting to be wrong, to being wrong. Wow, I need to stop reading my notes verbatim. And being willing to learn is a, nece is a necessary thing for change. So in order to make changes, we have to be willing to learn and admitting where we're wrong and where we can improve. And that's something that's not easy to do, but very possible for everybody. Think about it this way, though. When a child is learning to walk, they fall down hundreds of times, but they never think, eh, walking's just not for me. And so avoiding failure is something that we learn later in life. And it might stem from our education system, which punishes for not doing well. Another way we learn is that whole, I guess, avoiding failure thing. It might be from overbearing parents. And then the media, who just constantly exposes us to stellar successes and not showing us the thousands of hours of practice or failure that would require uh, that that individual was required to basically go through in order to achieve that success. We're never seeing like people's struggle stories. It's rare. We're always just seeing the flash and the glamour and the beauty and the perfection. So it makes us feel that failure is not normal. It makes us feel that feeling is shameful and embarrassing or whatever the case. It just it's just causes a stigma. So that's true. And action this I must end here on this point because you can definitely read this book if you're interested in reading more. But this point, I want to make very, very strongly, and I'm gonna stand up to say this like the Pledge of Allegiance. I need a second. I don't wanna mess this up. But action is not the cause of motivation solely, but also the creation of it. You can become your own source of motivation through action. This is so important. I always tell my clients that motivation is optional and discipline is essential. And the reason why is because the motivation doesn't come until after you feel accomplished. And when do you feel accomplished? After you've done something, right? You might have spurts of motivation when you feel good about the idea of 
reaching a goal, but then when it gets down to it, that motivation goes just as quick as it came. And so what I really want you to understand if you don't already is that action is the creation of motivation. Yeah, bars. So you're not gonna get that motivation until you take action. So you better start taking action and be disciplined in that because that's the only way anything's gonna get done. If you're waiting around for motivation, you'll be waiting around forever. If you're not motivated to change your lifestyle, fitness-wise, because that's my field, you know, that's, okay, do you feel like you need to in order to feel happier? Do you feel like you need to in order to have a better quality of life? Do you feel like you need to in order to feel more accomplished? Do you feel like you need to in order to love yourself more? Whatever it is, then do it. That's all the motivation you need. The acknowledgement of the fact that it needs to be done. Then that action will give you that motivation afterwards that motivated feeling to continue and to keep going i hope that makes sense anyways i'm gonna wrap up here because this video is already 50 minutes long so why am i like a b-boy we beat the rap what key beat to lock and we beat to rap what key beat to lock and so i'm thirsty now and uh I'm very upset that my audio didn't work, so if the audio is crappy on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I apologize. You can watch the video version on YouTube like you are now if you're watching, and this will be a lot easier to take in uh, if the audio kind of sucks just on podcasts alone, because at least you can watch my mouth make the words, and I am wearing a fuzzy hat, so you don't want to miss it. Just kidding. <laughs> I thought this hat made me look scholarly, like a gentleman and a scholar. Just kidding, I, I just like bucket hats for some reason now, even though they were made for eight-year-olds. So thank you guys so much for watching, and I hope that you continue with me as I evolve on this podcast journey and make this a little bit better, more structured, maybe more visually stimulating, maybe more audio, whatever, better. But. This is a perfect example of just trying and figuring it out as you go along. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to do this. I still don't know in this very moment if this is gonna work or I'm gonna be able to do it. But I'm still acting like I can and I'm still doing what I need to do to make it happen. So ignore the background, the wrinkles in the background. You probably already are and I just reminded you of it. But thank you so much. Please subscribe and comment down below what other books you want me to read. I have like a whole list that I already want to go through, but anyways, I'll take it into account. So please leave in the notes or in the, the comments what you want me to touch on more and follow me on Instagram if you're not already for daily posts and other things. I like to write motivation stuff. Motivation stuff. That sounded smart. In my captions and uh, some people like to read them, some people don't, but they do stem from the learning that happens from me reading these types of books. So thank you so much for watching and listening to my take and my perspective on the subtle art of not giving a flip, not giving a F is for friends who do stuff together. We're back there. U is for you and me. C is for see ya later. K is for bye, I gotta go.